Welcome to Out, Out of Line with Cat Gold. I'm Kat Poland, and that was the exuberant and vocally talented Sadie Perez, nine-year-old daughter of my guest today, Katie Perez. We'll talk more about Sadie later and specifically about how the world would be a better place if uh, kids just took over, maybe even right now. But first, we're going to talk to Katie. Katie is a very dear friend of mine. We became acquaintances through a mutual friend, and then she invited me to her church one day on a Facebook post I made. Um, I think I had shared something from Jen Hatmaker, and she said, hey, you might like our church, and I went, and I did. And we then began the awkward process of making a new friend when you're in your mid to late 30s, which we'll also talk about. But the reason I wanted to have Katie on today was to talk about the brave decision she made to go public with her COVID diagnosis. Um, she's about five days in and um, said relatively mild symptoms, but she decided to journal her experience on Facebook. And she has gotten a little bit of pushback from that. Uh, people thinking that that's not the right decision for her. So I wanted to hear her story. Tell me a little bit about you. Who is Katie Perez? Oh, well, maybe I should just read what Sadie wrote about me the other <gasps> day. Yeah. I hate this. I hate this part. Um, I know. I know. I, I thought about not doing it because you're my friend, but then I'm just going to. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But there might be strangers. You know, there might be four or five people that we don't have in common that are listening to me right now. Let me just interject and say, I think Katie's absolutely right. And probably the only people listening to this are people who already know us. However, if you are listening to this and you don't know either one of us, Drop me a line and you win a prize. I don't know what, but it'll be awesome, I promise. So I, um, I'm an educator and a mom and a wife. Um, I've been in Hutchinson, Kansas the vast majority of my life, and I love living here. This is my place and my people. Um, and I don't know, for work, I'm an education consultant, and that kind of is who I am. I, um, my, my life is, is all about helping other people find their passions in the world of education again and um, doing good things for kids through that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to toot Katie's horn here for just a bit and also mention that she was a 2014 Kansas Teacher of the Year. And she is my go-to resource for anything education-related. She has helped me walk through many situations with my own kids. And I can't thank her and I can't thank teachers enough. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's the fancy stuff they say about me. <laughs> who are you really? Who am I really? Is I am really just um, I don't know. <laughs> so hard to separate yourself from the profession when you have to like say who you are in that way all the time. Um, I think I'm just I am just Katie. I'm just I just am. I'm just me. Katie and I wrestled with this a lot. How we define ourselves as mothers, as wives, as employees, as women. And we both agreed it's just really tough to do sometimes. Yeah. I like to think that I'm a very authentic person. That what you see is what you get 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's pretty true. Yeah. Uh, just, just live by my values and try to be a good human. I think that's why I was drawn to you. I'm trying to remember... We became friends on Facebook first, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like our meeting was just very ordained. <laughs> so <laughs> we actually yeah. met at a birthday party first that the kids oh, were at. Oh, yeah. And, okay. you know, being true to our true selves, we did not speak to each other. Okay. <laughs> I could see that. Um, yeah, but the kids played. It was a pool party. The kids played for a little bit, and then um, I don't. We just kept running into each other. I invited you to church after that, yes. and I was terrified because um, you know when you go to a charismatic Pentecostal church. So earlier, I mentioned that Katie invited me to her church after I shared a post from Jen Hatmaker, and I'll be honest, I had no idea what to expect. Um, it was very energetic. I'll put it that way. Um, it is still where I attend church and, um, I have a interesting faith background and a lot of trauma around church. So, uh, she didn't know it at the time, but, uh, her asking me to attend was a really big step in my life. This is also the moment when Katie's daughter, Sadie jumped into our zoom call and noticed that I was dressed like a pumpkin. We had our Halloween party here at home today and I just kept my Halloween costume on and Sadie was quite amused and maybe bewildered and maybe a little bit terrified. <laughs> Sadie, I'm a pumpkin. She's a pumpkin. <laughs> scared me. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's always scary when you invite people to church for the first time when you're not just a normal sit down, listen to a 45 minute sermon, leave kind of thing. So I was terrified uh, to invite you to church, um, but you stuck around. And that's cool. Um, and we just kept running into each other for finally, I think really what was funny to me was I was sitting in bed one night and I was going to message you. And um, I had this whole message typed out like, hey, this is super awkward finding friendships in your thirties is weird. Uh, I feel like we're supposed to be friends. Do you want to go get coffee? And then she deleted it. Cause I was like, no, oh, that's weird. And this it did sound creepy. And that same night you actually ended up texting me almost the exact same thing. And we oh. went and met for coffee um, at Metro after that. And so, yeah, I think it's just one of those friendships that um, I was really proud of myself for like pursuing a friendship with mm -hmm. someone because that is really not my normal, um, my normal go-to. I normally just find friends out of circumstance and proximity. So I don't know. I'm kind of proud that you and yeah. I. Are <laughs> well, so like, the whole like a real grown-up thing. I know the whole concept of my podcast is like out of line, like doing things that are out of maybe your normal or society's normal. Sadie. And uh, so you want to talk about how our first coffee date went, our in-person date? If you take away nothing else from this podcast, I sincerely hope that you work up the courage to ask somebody out for awkward coffee. You might just make a friend. Or not. Either way, it's coffee. It's all good. Yeah, I think it was super awkward for both of us because um, we're not really, um, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm speaking for you too much, but I am a super introvert until you get to know me, then it's like life is an open book, but I have to know that you're worth meaningful connection with first. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that first coffee date, I think I left thinking, oh my God, she thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> like, because <laughs> we just dive, we just dove in, mm -hmm. right? I mean, my, my work centers on trauma-informed systems and um, the importance of hope in, in, in lives of other people. And, and so we just kind of, took a deep dive there into some pretty deep things. And, 
I love thinking, oh, yep, there you go. Yes, exactly what I said a minute ago about friendship in your 30s is so weird. I don't know if you find that, but it is, and you're also relatively new to town. You know, I grew up here. Yeah. And so um, it's hard to shake away who you were in high school mm-hmm. when you yeah. live in your hometown. Um, so it was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, um, this is an opportunity to be friends with somebody who doesn't have any preconceived ideas for me. And then I sat down and was just like, <laughs> so well, my perception of what happened that day. I think we both walked away thinking the other person was like not impressed. And we like, I thought you weren't into me and you thought I wasn't into you. And then we both admitted that to each other later. We yeah. Like, yeah. So since, since then it's been great. So yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying about the whole hometown thing. Like, I think there's that cross Canadian ragweed song, like, you're always 17 in your hometown. You're always 17 in your hometown. And I moved from a really small town, and I wanted to be really intentional about finding friends, um, good quality friends. Not that I didn't have good quality friends there, but it's just different because they've known you your entire lives and it's really difficult to really fully become who you are around them. And I wanted people who accepted me for the pumpkin that I'm becoming. And <laughs> well, I love you as the pumpkin you are becoming. <laughs> well, okay. So I thought the kids would be really impressed with my makeup and they were, but not in the way I expected. Like I was like, the pumpkin queen has arrived. They're like, ah, the evil pumpkin queen. I'm like, I don't, wasn't really supposed to be evil, but okay, we can go with that. I think your so. eyes look like Hershey kisses. Oh, they do. Yeah, or kind of like I'm kind of having the, the clown thing going on a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, not too much. I mean, I'm kind of pretty um, scared of clowns, and you're not actually terrifying. So, <laughs> all right. So we've talked about awkward coffee and creepy clowns, and now it's time to talk about COVID. Oh, okay. So one thing I want to talk to you about specifically is your decision to step out of line and. Um, come out of the closet, so to speak, about your COVID diagnosis, because, I mean, it's a taboo thing, and it it feels yeah. like it shouldn't be, and yet it is, because I know I keep hearing about the numbers in our community, and our state, and I keep thinking, I should know more people who have it, and it turns out I do, but I usually don't learn about it until afterward. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about your thought process on why you decided yeah. to go public. Well, I was really, so... I was really ashamed, I think. And I've spent a lot of time trying to decide, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. So I've spent a lot of time trying to decide, am I ashamed? Do I feel guilty about the fact that I tested positive? Um, and then I, I just kind of stopped myself and thought, good Lord, Katie, this isn't an STD. Like it's COVID. <laughs> like everybody's getting it right. Um, you didn't contract syphilis, you know, um, Sorry, I was probably not appropriate, but that's who I am. So, <laughs> and then I just got to thinking kind of the same thing that like, why I appreciate the, the few people I see, you know, I think Hutch is doing a, um, a little thing on like my COVID story mm-hmm. um, where people are kind of telling their, their experiences, but it seems to be really limited. And I see no one on my personal feed that's talking about their experience. Um, and so I, at first, I, I, w- I wondered, like, what should I do? Because um, I did my, my close contact was somebody um, at work. And I, I um, 
I was angry at first that, you know, I've been really safe. I've stayed home for 234 days um, with very minimal contact in the community. And I go to work one day, (laughs) you know, I mean, I go one day and I, I just, it happens to be that day. And so there's, I was angry at first. um, And then I realized that, um, that's just, that's just where we're at right now. And that anger is, is, is real. And I, it's okay for me to feel that way. And yet I need to do something else with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to close that loop there and um, do what I do best, which is mm-hmm. find the hope in the darkness, right? Um, I've always talked about how I see my role as being someone who is able to see opportunity or possibilities where maybe others don't and just shine a little bit of light there. I can confirm that Katie really knows her stuff when it comes to the neurology of hope, if you could call it that, but um, just how our brains work and um, how we can overcome trauma and how we can build resilience. And she does a fantastic um, presentation that she gives to educators about her own experiences. And uh, if you ever have the opportunity to listen to her give that presentation, I would highly recommend it. Um my symptoms were super mild in the beginning. And so I wanted people to know, but they were weird, right? Like mm-hmm. hives and other things I hadn't really heard of. Yeah. Um, but I wanted people to know what to expect. And so I prayed about it and decided that um, that is that is something I can do. It's some way that I can provide uh, a glimpse into what we're experiencing and maybe help a person or two, whether it's identify their own symptoms or... Um, just realize that, you know, it sucks. This isn't fun. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And yet I'm pretty sure I'm going to come out the other side of it. I think the other, another reason that I wanted to share is that um, I really kind of felt at first, like maybe I wasn't supposed to, um, that by sharing, I was going to, um, I don't know, worry other people or cause other people stress or concern that maybe would be undue it's it's amazing to me how little we still know right Mm -hmm. like so my exposure was Monday does that mean I wasn't contagious and you know I saw a friend on Monday I I went to this place on Monday or whatever it is like did I expose anybody else what happens with my husband and his place of employment and um you know how quick is that turnaround and so that that's where the shame came in Unless you've been living under a rock, you're probably familiar with the work of Brene Brown on shame. But if not, I highly recommend um, devouring all of her work, podcasts, book, etc. And no offense to people who do live under rocks, which in 2020 doesn't sound like a bad idea. Was just the number of people that I might have impacted by literally seeing two other people. Yeah. And so just knowing that those two other people, the ramifications of that, like my mind, I'm so number oriented that my mind immediately went to, well, one of them's an educator. Okay, Mm -hmm. right there, that's 25. And they're in red right now. So she's not even seeing kids. (laughs) But like, you know, okay, that's 25 kids. And those 25 kids have families. And right, I mean, just that ripple effect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just really got compelled to say, man, if we're not we're not talking about it and owning up to when we um when we are sick and what we are experiencing this might not ever end yeah i think is what i thought 
this next part of Katie's story really surprised me. I incorrectly assumed that perhaps um, in her office environment that they had taken their masks off for a short period of time and were eating together or something like that. And that is how she caught the virus. But listen to Katie's story. Um, and, you know, for the record, I was masked. I was masked when I had my close contact. I was within... Um, I was, I was a six feet away. Um, wow. The problem is that um, what I believe happened is I, um, it was um, related to a printing um, job at work and I had gathered some printing papers mm. um, and I went over and used those, we have this giant cutting machine and I went over and cut a bunch of paper on that giant cutting machine and then went and sorted the paper into piles. Who knows how many times I absentmindedly, not oh. even thinking, licked my finger to sort papers mm -hmm. because... Um, you know, that's a thing we do. And when I retrace those steps, I do not remember washing my hands when I mm -hmm. left the print shop to when I went in and sorted the papers. Wow. Right. And so we were following the rules, right? I don't think yeah. this is a case of masks don't work. I think this is a case of washing your hands does work. <laughs> yeah. Right? Have, have you seen uh, that, that Swiss cheese graphic where it has exactly. Different, yeah. Yes. So if you're not familiar, there's a graphic uh, floating around on social media right now that shows uh, several different layers of what looks like Swiss cheese, um, these blocks with holes in them. And it's supposed to represent the different layers of protection you can put between yourself and uh, COVID-19. Uh, for example, masks and social distancing, sanitizing surfaces, and hand washing. And so uh, Katie's story shows us that uh, each of those steps matters and it's not that one step does or doesn't work, but when all combined together, that gives you your best defense against COVID-19. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I think it's just that um, you let your guard, I let my guard down one day. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're all, I mean, we're also exhausted of having to be so hyper vigilant all of the time. And I found myself having to be careful about not getting so worked up and stressed out that then I just completely let, completely let your guard down. Cause I had done that earlier in the pandemic where um, it's like the numbers were really low and things felt safe again. Like my husband, and I went out to a bar, but I had like super bad feelings of guilt even for that. Like I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? Like that was so dumb, but it went from one pendulum swing, you know, to the other. And yeah. it's hard, hard to maintain just a, healthy, <laughs> a healthy amount of vigilance. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's the, we're, we're all running on compassion, fatigue and burnout, which again, this is me slipping into to work mode, but there's only so much that we can take in taking mm -hmm. care of other people before we really start to run out um, of our own, I don't know, our own ability to give. One of my colleagues talks about how a lot of us, a, a popular phrase is you can't pour from an empty cup. And she talks to people about how you should never pour from your full cup. Your cup should remain full all of the time and mm -hmm. you should be giving of your overflow. How do you stock up? You know, how do you, how do you make sure your cup is continuously overflowing so that you mm -hmm. have something to give to someone? Um, that's hard. It's hard yeah. to do right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at home and I've got my, my kid here and um, we're trying to do the school thing. Um, a lot of guilt for that too. I'm a teacher. We should be able to be doing better than we are and we're not. Um, you know, I'm trying to be a good church member. I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm trying to be a good employee. I'm trying to be all these things. Mm -hmm. And some of it had to go, right? Because mm -hmm. I was tired. Um, 
And that's hard. Can you, because speaking of transparency and just letting other people know what to expect, can you talk about any possible negative feedback you got for being so open and transparent? Maybe you didn't get any, but if you could just talk about that. Yeah, I think um, at first there was a fear that when I posted things, it would um, kind of, like I said, start a ripple of concern for people who didn't need to be concerned. Mm. And so there were questions of why is she posting this and should she be? And is she shaming the person that she came into contact with? And Mm. is this going to impact, you know, uh, how's this going to impact my husband and his his job or my daughter and her, you know, relationships and those kinds of things. So um, I don't know that I received any real direct negative feedback, um, just questioning on what my intent was. And that's, <laughs> that's hard for me because I, um, I don't know, I, I because I am an open book. Uh, And I do say a lot, you know, I speak about my life on a regular basis, and I share a lot of things. And so when you're questioned for what your intent is of sharing, um, it makes you feel like you're doing something bad, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, again, just being, being you and and speaking what you've been given to speak about. Um, And so that, yeah, there was some hesitation. In fact, I, I waited a full 24 hours between when I posted that I was COVID positive and then when I posted like my first like update, um, I wasn't going to. And then I just, I don't know. I don't, I can't explain it other than I just, God told me I had to, (laughs) right. I mean, why are you, I had another experience a while back where, um, something similar. I was, I was kind of given some grief for speaking out on a topic that maybe um, I shouldn't have in the, in the situation I was in, which was a whole different situation than this right here. Um, And I was asked not to do it again. I was asked Mm. not to speak um, in that way again in the company I was in. And I, again, just kind of went home and thought about it and prayed about it. And, you know, I went to a few friends and vented about it as well. And, what I finally settled on is that there's this, um, and I always get the names wrong because I am not a Bible scholar, <laughs> but there's this point in the Bible where um, two <laughs> of the disciples are, um, are being called out for speaking about, um, speaking about Jesus. And they say, well, no, we could obey you, but we're going to choose to obey God every single time. I am no Bible scholar either, but I can Google. So I was able to find, I think Katie is referring to Acts 5, 27 through 30. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. You know, right. So, so that's kind of what this came down to me for was, you know, I could choose to go with what's popular and what's easier for other people. Mm -hmm. I could go with what's easy for other people and makes other people comfortable. Or I could say it's 2020 and everybody's (laughs) already uncomfortable anyway. (laughs) Let's just speak truth to power here. Let's yeah. just talk about what's really going on. Yeah. Um, that was kind of my, my thought process there. Um, I'll say I wasn't shocked that people questioned my intentions. Mm. I was not shocked that, um, that I was, you know, being asked to be quiet on the topic. Um, 
And I don't know if my response to choose not to be was shocking to them. I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, what is it? Brene Brown says, speak truth to bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. And I mean, especially, especially now when there's still, there's still so much disbelief surrounding right. COVID, which to me is in and of itself. It's hard to believe that people still mm-hmm. don't believe it. So I manage a fairly large social media account for an organization that posts frequent updates about um, COVID and how to stay safe and health and wellness. And you would not believe the number of comments we get, or you would believe if you spent any time online, uh, the number of comments we get from people who still to this day think it's an overblown hoax. Quite sad. Yeah, what's been interesting is that, you know, each post has, has, you know, gained the attention of, you know, 100 to 150 likes and and lots of comments and um, multiple shares, that kind of thing, which is just one of those things that's super weird to me. I mean, not the (laughs) likes and the comments, because... Because I post things regularly for work related that get garner yeah. attention like that. So that's not a thing. But just I think the shares is what's interesting to me. And I'm like, oh, I posted a picture of myself at 3 a.m. Sick. <laughs> Somebody shared it. Um, based on the people who are commenting, though, um, that's been interesting to me because I will huh. say it's from a wide range of all people I know, all people that are are. are people who I would talk to if I saw them in town. Um, but based on their other posts, I know that they might be on the fence or they might have um, political leanings that are opposite mm. of mine. And um, which leads me to believe that they might be less bought in to the fact that this is real. That's an assumption I know I'm making. Um, but that's been interesting to me to see, to see how, when one of us really does become sick and I'm, my symptoms are mild, I'm fine. I'm going to recover perfectly from this. Right. Um, but to see that one of us becomes sick, those things kind of go to the side for a moment. And it's not, I'm not just a number that went up on the Reno County cases. Mm -hmm. I'm Katie from down the street. I was your child's teacher. Mm -hmm. I was your neighbor. You were my teacher when we were kid, when I was a kid, you know, something, there's a personal connection there. Um, I think it just becomes more real to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been doing this stitch along thing. I'm a, I cross stitch and do black work. It's just a really like, it's like I'm an 80 year old stuck in this body. Um, <laughs> That's why I love you. <laughs> but I've been doing this, this whole stitch along thing and I've been tracking as we go along um, different events. Right. So I put in a, a, a number the first time there was a case in um, the United States and the first time there was a case in Kansas and the first time in Kansas city or in, in, in Reno County, the first time um, in my family and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, and each one, it just makes it more real. Right. Wow. I mean, that number one uh, back there at the beginning of the year is very different than when I stitched my brother's name in a few weeks wow. ago. Um, and just last night I sat in bed and when I couldn't sleep and I stitched this week square and thought, how am I going to put my own name in here? Like, what am I going to do to commemorate this moment, um, in our lives for myself? Because it just, I, I think that's one thing we tend to not do in America maybe is we don't tend to put names and faces mm-hmm. to things that are happening. We talk so much about numbers yeah. and not about people. Yeah. I think that's, 
one thing, just given my personality type as a four, uh, Enneagram four, like I do put names and faces on numbers and then it can just feel so completely overwhelming to me. And I just like feel that the great sadness. um, I think, um, what was the guy who wrote the shack? William Paul Young said his name. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm not good at that kind of thing, but (laughs) (laughs) I rarely am. That sounds right. But he talks about just the great sadness of the world and sharing in that grief together. And I think that's a really cool project that you did. I'd love to see a picture Mm -hmm. of that. If you wouldn't mind showing me, could you show it to me later? Like send me a picture. I'll send you a picture of it. Yeah. If you're interested in seeing Katie's stitch work, I'm going to post it on the blog page on my website at catpoland.com. And also the author I mentioned earlier, William Paul Young has a fabulous book um, called Lies We Believe About God. And I would highly recommend it if you are curious about faith or you're um, at a place on your faith journey where you want to kind of question some of those things that we've just uh, all been taught to believe. It's, it's a 52 week stitch along. So each week a new square is list is given out and started the first week of January. Um, I started it in March. So I started the week that we, uh, March 16th, the week that we went into quarantine or social distancing or whatever the correct term is for it now. Um, and I've marked, you know, I marked, um, all the cases, all the COVID cases that seemed relevant to me. Um, I marked the, the death of my father-in-law. Um, mm-hmm. he passed away in August from what we believe is, is COVID related death. Um, I pr- pa- marked the, the passing of, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, yeah. um, the Black Lives Matter, um, George Floyd's, um, death. I've, I've kind of marked all of those things in mm-hmm. there. Um, and it's, I, I don't know, it's one of those things that I'm excited. I, I am a sentimental person to, to a fault, I think, but um, I can't wait to frame it and have it be this marker. I have this, you know, this dream of someday Sadie's children looking at it or their children mm-hmm. looking at it um, and having this diary of what happened in 2020 to mm-hmm. our family. Um, you know, I marked, uh, we had Sadie's had three, three miracles, three brain related miracles. I marked that day on there mm-hmm. and um you know, I guess it's one of the things I kind of continue to reflect on this, this year is, um, I don't know, somebody posted the other day about how we keep saying 2020 is such a dumpster fire, you know, and I even said it earlier that 2020 is, yeah. uh, man, at the same time, some of the things that we've experienced, mm-hmm. I, I think that we're at that tipping point where as a society, we're not going to, we, we've drawn a line in the sand. Mm-hmm. And there's only one direction to go from here, I think. Um, and I think it's towards people. Yeah. I think towards we people can... and towards love. And I think that's amazing. Okay. So how are you feeling? Because I, I just, yeah. I, you getting tired? So here's where I stop and acknowledge that. I'm interviewing somebody who actually has COVID and her body's not going to be operating optimally. And here's also where I discover that she is a far stronger person than I am. I'm, I am tired. Um, I get tired pretty quickly. It's funny because it's, I was trying to describe it to somebody the other day, you know, when you have the flu and you're just chronically tired for the whole duration, you just are weak and fatigued. This is way more like a wave. So I'll be fine for a while. And then it's just like, boom, I'm going to sit down and take a nap for three or four hours. Um, it just hits you out of nowhere. Um, really, I feel I feel really good. It's, it just feels like, um, I posted 
last night, it feels like somebody's tied rubber bands around the lower part of my lungs and they just won't fully expand. And so that that's hard. It's hard to yeah. be so aware of your breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm tired. Uh, my head hurts. Um, the back pain is, it's intense. Wow. Um, but I also am just, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to not minimize my symptoms because I am experiencing them and they're not pleasant. Yeah. And yet I'm also just so thankful that they are what they are because mm-hmm. um, I know others are not as lucky as I am right now. Well, so I, I'm a kind of a balance in there, you know? I'm a big whiny baby because you're like, I feel good except for this vice around my lungs and debilitating <laughs> exhaustion. Other than that, I'm, no, I would be like, oh my God, it's horrible. Yeah. I think that if my husband was not isolated in the den, I might be milking this for a little bit more. Um, right? um, but there really isn't anybody to take care of me. Aww. So um, it's funny. Um, Annie, our, our pastor's wife, Annie, she, she texted the other day to check on me. And I said, oh, we're good. You know, Sadie's up here with me. And Lou's isolated in the basement. And she said, he's either very smart or a jerk. Oh, <laughs> no, just very smart. We're doing our best to keep him keep him yeah. safe and, and um, limited exposure as possible. But um, it's not like he hasn't done anything. We're just really, um, we're really fortunate to have a house the size that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, basically we have a 1200 square foot apartment up here and another one downstairs. And so we're able to, we don't have a kitchen up here, but um, it's not like we're confined to a single room and all of that. We're just... We're just doing our best, but I do, I do miss my husband. I should Aww. say that. I do. Like, you know, it's kind of weird to know he's downstairs and off work. Yeah. And we can't hang out, you know, it's bizarre. Lou, if you're listening, and I know you are, because you're going to be one of those four to five people that Katie and I know who are listening to this podcast, just remember, Katie said she misses you. And you can remind her of that when you spent far too much time together in the future and she needs some space from you. Um but he needs to be healthy. So yeah, you guys could like make it exciting. Like you have this crush on this roommate who lives in your basement, but he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know yet. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. We can work out something there. Right. Okay. We were were long distance for the first couple of years of our relationship. We could just go back to that time in life where like we had to FaceTime and text to have a relationship. Um, We are, you know, we're, 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 we're approaching 10 years into this thing. So I think we're over that. Yeah. Well, and you're not there yet. You're not like missing each other that much. So is it? Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple questions for you that I want to ask every interviewee. Okay. Um, Is there ever a time that you wanted to trade brave for safe? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm having a hard time coming up with an example. (laughs) Maybe you don't have one, but like the time that you were brave and you did step out of line and then you regret it. I think it. that happens to me pretty re- regularly in my line of work. You know, people hire me. <laughs> I'm kind of known for this in my office. I don't know if I should say this publicly. Um, I'm kind of known in my office for, um, I'll be hired by a, by a, a organization <laughs> to come in and um, facilitate learning that they think is what their people need. And I get in there and it's not what their people need. And ignoring that intuition is really hard for me. Um, and there are a lot of times where I will 
I will text a colleague or a friend and say, I need you to pray for me right now. Um, I've got it, you know, so maybe it's in those moments where I'm trying to decide like, okay, am I going to just play it safe and do what they asked me to do? Or am I actually going to try to meet the needs of these people here today? Um, most of the time I end up, um, switching. I call it going rogue and I'll usually <laughs> go over to the administrator and say, Hey, so I'm going to go a bit rogue here for about 30 minutes. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah. let's see where this takes us. For the record, I absolutely love this concept of going rogue and really these are the only people I want to have around me in life. Um, I tend to be right most of the time when I lead with that intuition, but it's scary. I will say that. I, I sometimes, when I leave the district those days, I often think, man, you should have just, you should have just stuck to script. Uh, just what you're supposed to do. But, but when you do walk away and you do stick, stick the script, like, how do you feel aligned, if that's the right word? Like, how do you feel within your own body after you've done the safe thing instead of the brave thing? I feel like I didn't, um, I didn't meet the needs of the people I was with. And that's really important to me is that I don't waste people's time or energy on things that aren't relevant or meaningful. Um, and that I call out the elephant in the room when there is one that needs to be addressed so we can move forward. Um, I can't teach you something you're not ready to learn if there's something prohibiting it. So I guess if I play it safe, I feel like I just wasted everybody's time and I wasn't worth the, the expense that, that I am to their organization. So um, I, I tend to not play it safe very often. Yeah. I have, I, there's a lot of phone calls when I leave. I call my boss a lot when I leave places and say, you might want to know <laughs> today. And you know, every time it, I, I have yet to be bitten by it, I guess. Oh. I have yet to be in trouble for it. So yeah, that's good. I think I'm doing the right thing. That's another reason why I like you. I have <sighs> also been, accused accused if that's the right word of uh being a pain in the ass and then i remind them well soul's a colonoscopy but it's very important it's very important yeah Yeah, sometimes you need that Uh, okay Uh, another question for you um who is someone you admire and why oh um anybody for any reason any anybody for any reason oh gosh I'm going to say, just, I, you know, I'm going to take the copy out answer here because it just really is the truth. I'm going to say Sadie. Oh, this, yeah. This nine-year-old girl is, I just look at her sometimes and I know everybody thinks their kid is just, you know, awesome. Um, but mine really is. And there are so many times where I look at her and think that she is the woman that I have tried to learn to be for 37 years. Mm. And she's already... She's already all of the things I tried to be for 37 years. So who the hell is she going to be when she's 37? Right? I mean, it just, she just amazes me. You made me cry off my pumpkin eyes here. Cry off your pumpkin. That's so sweet. No. Yeah, it really is the truth though. I mean, it's, you know, I, I was a very different child. I was very quiet, very, not necessarily submissive, but under the radar. I flew under the radar as a kid. Very, very, very painfully shy. Um, and she just isn't, and she knows how to advocate for herself and she knows what she likes and what she doesn't like. And, um, and she's got, she's just got some deep values, some Mm -hmm. things that she sees in the world that she knows 
is just not right. Mm-hmm. And she's not willing to compromise on those things. And I just think, man, somebody, somebody's doing a good job with that kid. Uh, you <laughs> and Lou got to give Lou credit here. Me, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. The, the girls over at the church, abundant life daycare that they raised my kid. Let's be Aww. real. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's got to make you excited. It makes me excited for our future to know that kids like Sadie are, are coming up and will hopefully yeah. soon take the reins. God, yeah. please take, let them take the reins now. They would do a right. better job. They, they, they would, right? Yes. Yeah, let's yes. get Sadie and Anna in office somewhere. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So here's the next question. It's kind of random. So if you need to okay. think, okay, what's your hype song? Like you're walking into a conference with a keynote speaker and you can have any song playing What's your hype oh, song? Oh, Lord. Um, okay. So maybe um, All I Do Is Win oh. by Or uh, oh, I'm being corrected. I'm not cool enough to say his name, apparently. Or um, Sadie says that's Khaled. I have no idea. Whatever. I'm old. Well, how did um, you say it? That's how I say it. How do you say it? I think I said Khaled. I don't know what I said anymore. I don't even know. Okay. Uh, it doesn't matter. Make fun of me. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with that, maybe. Yes. That's what came into my head first. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So I did ask Sadie what her hype song was, and she didn't have an answer, but she did have another little musical number, which I had to include. That's going in there, all of it. I had so much fun talking to my friend Katie today and her daughter Sadie. And just hearing her story and learning how by telling our truth, we can give hope to others. I hope you're encouraged to reach out and make new friends later in life like Katie and I did. And I also hope you find the courage to step out of line and go against the grain and do what you know is right, even if um, it's not necessarily the most popular thing to do. If you like today's podcast, I'd hope you stay in touch and I'd love to hear your ideas for who I should interview in the future. You can reach out at catpoland.com or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at catpoland or on Facebook, catpoland author and storyteller. And I hope you subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and also on Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening and don't forget that good things happen when you step out of line.